It is a joy to be here this morning, wrapping up our mixed tape uh, se uh, series. And uh, the first first week, we got to hear Pastor uh, Dave. He came and he spoke. And then uh, the next week, we got to hear side A of Pastor Tom. And then uh, the following uh, week, Pastor Scott came back. And uh, you can tell he's been on vacation. He's got a nice tan, nice glow about him. And uh, so we're glad that he is he is back. And then we got to hear last week, side B of Pastor Tom. And uh, that was good. And then uh, I'm kind of like the epilogue, you know, that extended uh, album that you get, you know, that like three songs that you're like, oh, I didn't know that was on there. Uh, so I'm like the extra. Uh, but uh, we're glad that you're here this morning. And um, it is, it is, uh, it's titled this morning, A Hard Reset. And I know that we're talking about a tape. And uh, if you ever use cassette tapes, you don't really hard reset them, but you can erase them. So if you've had a, if you're old enough to remember that if you take a magnet, it has to be a strong enough magnet and you rub it on a cassette tape, it kind of erases it. If it's not strong enough, it just rearranges the words in the song for you. So then it, it doesn't do that. It, uh, so, I, but if you didn't have a strong enough magnet, uh, I had a friend who had one that you plugged into the wall and then you pushed a button on it and it would vibrate or make noise and you rub it on the cassette tape and it erases the whole thing. So you didn't have to hear the things that you had recorded previous. You could start fresh and brand new. And sometimes in life, we need that hard reset. Uh, we need things to be uh, set straight for us. And so this morning, uh, I just kind of want to share with you what God has been doing in my own life. And hopefully that helps you. Uh, there's some thoughts that uh, if there's a, in your program. There's a piece of paper that has some notes in it. And there's just three things I want to share with you this morning. Hopefully will help you. I went on this mission trip, and my only purpose was to see my daughter. I didn't have any other agenda. I wasn't like, God, do something in my life. I just wanted to see my daughter. If you've ever gone for a long time without seeing a child, sometimes you're very happy, you know, we all have those children uh, that, uh, oh, they're still gone? That's a shame. Uh, but then you have some children that you miss. And uh, Jules is one of those that uh, we really missed. And um, so to go see her, I just wanted to spend time with her. And often when people come back from a trip, people are like, oh, what'd you do? What'd you see? And so I was able to share with some things. And so this morning, uh, some of you may be really tired. I know it's summer and we're late nights and all this kind of stuff. So I have a bunch of pictures that I'm going to share with you this morning about my trip, have to do with our, our lesson. We'll get into God's word as well. And, uh, but most people, when you come back from someplace like Africa, they want to know what you did that was exciting. So I have a couple of pictures here. Um, this is Jules and I. The first thing we got to do was take pictures with an elephant. Thank you, sir. Um, and that elephant, the one on the left with the tusks, that was mom. And uh, there was a guy had a stick about three foot long that was controlling mom. And I don't know how he controlled her with a stick, but she was afraid of him. And I was glad about that. But he was standing just to the right of us there. And uh, that's baby that we got to feed that baby. And um, the next picture is us with some cheetahs. Now, these are, these are real cheetahs. These aren't stuffed. And... Um, they, they reminded us that we had to sign a waiver. And on the waiver, it was, I, I have no idea, it was in African. So it was something about losing your life and they're not liable. But they, uh, 
the, these cheetahs have harnesses on, you could see them. And so we had walked by their enclosure and it was a huge enclosure, like mammoth, mammoth enclosure. It wasn't like the zoo. And I saw them with these harnesses on. I'm like, why do cheetahs have harnesses? Well, this next, we'll show you why they have harnesses. The cheetahs take you for a walk. Uh, you don't walk the cheetahs, the cheetahs walk you. And they told us, they said, don't, you can tell my hesitancy in doing this. So I'm like, does it just, do I smell like chicken? What is it that, um, so they said, don't walk in front of its rear uh, legs. Don't look at it in the eye. When it stops, you stop. And so I obeyed those very carefully and uh, did not do anything. I, I was not, I was, I mean, barely holding onto that leash. They said, don't put your hand in the leash because if the cheetah decides to take off, you're going with it. So I was, I was barely hanging on to this thing. So the next picture, uh, that, that's not photoshopped. That's how close she was to the cheetah's head. And I was, I was well behind her and one hand on her back. So if the cheetah started growling, got hungry, it was a shove to her towards the cheetah and I was able to get away. But that's, this is why I went to Africa. I went to spend time with my daughter. God has other plans. You know, sometimes in life we have this idea that, you know, we, we, we know how things are going to work out. Like, we've planned it all out. Like, I, I know. And then God goes, hey, I know you think you know what's going on, but I have something else that I want to show you. And I knew that God was up to something, because on, on the airplane, as we were flying over, if you've ever flown, it's amazing the bathrooms on the airplane. Like they are so small, but they have so much stuff in there. Like it's just amazing. The, I mean, they have a, a table to change an infant. They have Kleenex and napkin and toilet paper and they have toothbrushes and they have, I mean, they have everything in there. It's, it's absolutely amazing. But the one thing you do learn when you fly is that you make sure that the lid is down before you push that flush button because you are afraid that you and everything in the room is just going to get sucked out the, the toilet. Well, the, uh, on this airline, somebody decided to make an upgrade, and uh, there was no warning sign about the upgrade, but rather than having to push a button to flush the toilet, it is now motion sensing. So if you ever are using the restroom and trying to be still in an airplane, it's almost impossible. Well, there's nothing like resetting your life when you are sitting there and your arm moves and it causes the flush to happen, it just instantly, you wonder your soul has been sucked out of you completely. And I knew that this was not going to be a normal trip. God had some plans. God's, God had me. He's like, you know what? Since you're here in Africa, there's a couple things I want to show you. And so these three points on your sheet today are the three things that God showed me and I hope will be a help to you as you go forward. Number one, when you believe and understand the goodness of God, it will revolutionize your, your life and your relationships. And that, that, that quote by Rick Warren is, is valuable. As you look at it more, you under, you, it, it begins to get deeper. I tried to come up with my own unique point, but I had this quote and I thought, I'm just gonna use this. When you believe and understand the goodness of God, it will revolutionize your life and your relationships. 
I have a few pictures from my trip that I wanted to show you. One is a couple of girls that are carrying some water. These girls are not carrying water because it's fun. These girls aren't carrying water because they, they thought that they're going to have uh, trying to fill a pool. They don't have running water in their homes. They don't have electricity. The water that they get is from a, a local uh, well that they have to go to and they have to get the water. And so these girls that are six, seven, and eight years of age have to carry these buckets of water to their house just so that they have water in their home. This is just a regular occurrence for them. I don't know if any of you got up this morning and you thanked God when you turned on the faucet and water came out of your faucet and you said, Lord, thank you for allowing me to have running water. You just turned it on. You flushed the toilet, didn't even think about it. Turned the shower on. You went into your kitchen and you pushed the coffee pot button or maybe you have it programmed so it comes on for you. I doubt any of us woke up this morning and said, Lord, thank you that that coffee pot turned on. Maybe your spouse said, Lord, thank you that I can take this man coffee before he gets out. Maybe you walked in here this morning and said, thank God there's coffee at church. But I don't think we really were grateful and thankful for the good things that God has. In Africa, in, in Zambia, the next picture is a... a couple of boys, you can see them in the back, their job that they do for their home is they sell charcoal. So you go to places and, and most people in Africa heat and cook their food with charcoal. So they'll go to a, a home that they're just right outside their house and they have these little stacks of four, five, six pieces of charcoal that they'll, somebody will come along and they'll buy six pieces of charcoal so then they can go home and they can cook their meal. Their job is to take a, a little bit bigger bag of charcoal, and they, so they buy that, and they break it down, and they sell it to them. The next picture is a lady of, that she, is, she has a little more money, and so she is able to buy a huge bag of charcoal, and she takes it home, and she breaks that bag up into like plastic grocery bag size bags of charcoal and sells them to somebody else. And that first picture those boys bought one of those plastic bags full of charcoal and they are selling just the three or four pieces, five pieces to people. This morning when you pushed the button on your microwave, when you turned your stove on, did you thank God? You see, when you go and you see something like this and, and the area, I don't have a picture of it, but the area, you can kind of see it behind her, it's all black, the area that this charcoal uh, sales take place, and it's not just like a, a small area, it's, it's blocks. The road is just covered with this dark uh, charcoal dust. The people are covered with the charcoal dust. The kids walk around, their clothes are filthy, their feet are filthy. Everything they have is filthy because of the charcoal dust. But it was interesting that I did not hear one time one person complain. Not one time. There's a, another picture here. Picture with a little boy. Do you have that one? The little boy with a stick? Yes. This little boy, we were walking along the dress on the side there. That's a, one of the ladies from our team. 
we came upon this little boy. And notice what he's pushing. He's got a stick stuck in a plastic carton that he's put a couple of wheels on. And this is his toy. And he was so happy to walk around pushing this little plastic carton that he's recycled into a, into a toy. And that's all he has. And he's walking through this area. His clothes are filthy. He's filthy. But he's so happy. God said to me, are you grateful for how good I've been to you? I just, as I was getting ready for this, I, I just Googled, what's the average life expectancy for somebody in America? 79 years. I Googled, what's the average life expectancy for somebody in Zambia? 63 years. Do you know just because you were born in America, you are, your odds of living 16 years longer than somebody in Zambia is 100%? Just because you were born here. No other reason. Do you thank God for his goodness to you? There's a picture of, of a pastor that we were with. The man on the right-hand side, big smile. His name is Pastor Zulu. We met Pastor Zulu, and he is just so excited about life. Like, he just bounces. As you're close to him, you just begin bouncing. You're not sure why you're bouncing, but Pastor Zulu's bouncing, so we're bouncing. He's just exciting. He's excited about life. Pastor Zulu began to be impressed that God wanted him to start a church. And so this area that we're in, this is a school. There's no, um, there's no electricity in the school. They have uh, old slate boards on the wall. The rooms are probably uh, 15 feet by 25 feet long. Pastor Zulu started a church in one of those rooms. And he was so excited to show us the place where his church was. And he was just telling us about how, God, how good God is. And he said, I moved my family into this area so that we could minister to these people. Pastor Zulu went from a place where he had running water and electricity to an area in a home where there's no running water, no electricity, so he could minister to people and tell them about the goodness of God. I became convicted because I complained about how slow the internet is. They don't have the internet. I complained because how expensive gas prices were. He can't afford a car. The air conditioning is just not working right. They have windows. No fans. And God convicted me. In Psalm chapter 145, It says, one generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. Psalm 107, verses 8 and 9, it says, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. And for his wonderful works to the children of men, for he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. 
Do you believe and understand the goodness of God in your life today? Because if you did, it would revolutionize your life and your relationships. When we truly believe how good God is to us, it overwhelms us. And we can't help but share it with the people around us. It would be weird to walk in here this morning and somebody say, do you know what? This morning I got up and my electricity was on. It was awesome. Now, sometimes when there's storms, we wonder if the electricity is on. You know what? This morning I got up and we had hot water. Yeah? That's God's goodness. God allows us to live in a place where we have hot water. God gives us a place where we have air conditioning and electricity. God gives us a place where we can drive cars and we have gas and we have money to afford all this stuff. God is good. Do we celebrate that? Does it change your life or is it circumstantial? If I only had, then I would celebrate. I saw a place where people didn't have anything and they constantly celebrated God's goodness and that changed my life. Point number two, the Holy Spirit desperately wants to speak to you. But do you seek to hear him when you are not desperate? The Holy Spirit desperately wants to speak to you. But do you seek to hear him when you are not desperate? In times where things aren't going right in your life, those are the times we go to God and we're pleading with him to hear us. Pleading with him to speak to us and tell us what to do. But what about the times where we're not in a desperate situation? Do we desperately seek to hear him? While I was in Africa, there was a, a team of people that I was with. Each day we would go out, minus the school children on the right-hand side. They were not with us every day. But we would go out, and everywhere we went, you can see Pastor Zulu in the back on the left, hand up, big smile. That's Pastor Zulu's personality all the time. We would go out, and everywhere we would go, there would be young people Kids that would come out, Mazungo, 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 white person, white person, white person. And they would want to come up and they would just want to be with us. And they, you'd be walking along and we're headed someplace, like we know where we're going. And these kids would just come up and they'd grab your hand and they would just walk with you. And you'd look at them like, do you know where you're going? Do your parents know where we're going? Do you care where we're going? They didn't care at all. They just grab your hand and they're just walking along. And you're like, I, it would be so weird, right? I mean, you're at the mall and some little kid comes up and grabs your hand and it's not yours. And you're just like, what? Whose kid is this? You would stop, try to find its parent. Nope. We just keep walking. They just keep walking. And, they, and more and more keep gathering around you. But this group of young people, it gave me so much hope for our future. Because as I would talk with them, I found out that all of these in our group all of them prayed and asked God to show them, are they supposed to go on this trip? And they confirmed one after the other, God told me I'm supposed to go on this trip. Two of these young people that are in this, two of the girls that are in this group, they were excited because we were going back to an area with Pastor Zulu where they had been before. And they said that when we were here last time, there was a lady that we led to the Lord and we feel impressed that the Holy Spirit wants us to go back to this lady's house and tell her that not only are you going to receive living water, which is her salvation, but you are going to be a source. Your home is going to be a source of living water 
because you have a well on your property, like the woman at the well, you're going to be giving out the truth of the gospel. And they just said, we, we, we can't wait to go back to Pastor Zulu's area because we're going to find this woman and tell her what God is telling us to tell her. And they shared all of this with us days before we went to Pastor Zulu's. We went to Pastor Zulu's. They said, hey, Pastor Zulu, can we go find this woman? And once I saw the area, I'm like, there's no way they're going to find this woman because, I mean, it's not like street addresses and numbers are there. They're, just gonna, they're not going to find her. But they found her. And when they came back, they told us this story. They said, we felt impressed that the Holy Spirit wanted us to tell this woman that she's going to be a source of living water for her community. We went back to her house. She invited us in her home. Her home is like 15 by 20, very small. We walked into her home. We were talking with her, telling her what the Holy Spirit had told us. As we're standing there, two women walked in the door of her home. And all of us looked at this woman. So there were three ladies in the house. They looked at the two ladies that walked in the house. And they said, can we help you? And the ladies said, we don't know why we're here. And they said, what do you mean? The two ladies said, we were walking by the house. And as we were walking by the house, something told us inside of us, we were supposed to come into this home. These two ladies were standing in this home saying to this woman, your house is going to be a source of living water for your community. Two women walk in the house saying, we don't know why we're here, but something told us to come in this house. They said, we know why you're here. They shared the gospel with those two ladies. Those two ladies got saved. We look at that stuff and we go, that is weird. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit was working and moving, and these two young ladies were sensitive to who God wanted them to speak to. You see, in Africa, you'll see little children, and they'll have a scar on their forehead. And the pastor told us, he said, you know what that scar is? I said, no, what is the scar? He said, when that baby is born, the witch doctor will cut a portal for demons to go in and out of this child. And so those scars are portals for, the, for demons to go in and out. You see, in Zambia, the demonic world is very real. And just as real as the demonic world is, God is moving and alive and active. And so you see the demonic world, but you also see the, the God working in the spiritual world, working in so positive ways that you just stand back and you go, I can't believe that I just saw or heard what I just heard. Because if you or I were standing in our house and two people walked in, it would be a completely different conversation, right? It would not be, hey, what you doing here? It would be, hey, let me help you out of my house. What are you doing here? Well, something, something I don't know, but something in me just told me to walk in your home. Well, something in me is telling you to get out of my home. Right? That's the conversation we would have, right? Not... Let me understand that this is a spiritual thing that's going on here, and let me share with you why you came in here today. As you would walk through these areas, there's ladies that would be doing laundry. Just like this, they'd have these buckets, and the, those girls would be getting water for their moms to do laundry, and so they'd be doing laundry, and then they hang it up on the line like this. And in that culture, it's a, it's a very respectful culture, and you would walk up to ladies like this, or anybody, 
and you would, you would approach them and say, do you mind if we, if we speak with you? Or do you have time that, you, that we could sit and talk? And then they would get up and off the stools or whatever they're on, and they would offer them to you, and then they would sit on the ground. Well, this next picture is a group of ladies that, as we were walking through the area, Pastor Zulu and Pastor Raphael, who we're with today, he said, now, he said, we're going to walk through these areas, and I want you to pray and ask the Holy Spirit who we're supposed to talk to. And so we would walk, and we walked 15 minutes. And he said, anything? Nope. And finally, we came to this group of ladies, and one of the girls in our group, they said, I believe the Lord wants us to talk to these four ladies. So we sat down, and we talked to these four ladies. They gave me the, the stool that they had, and they sat on the, on, the, on the ground, and they listened. And they asked questions about who Jesus was, and we opened the Bible, and we showed them who the Scriptures say that Jesus is. And we shared with them, their, they, they would ask questions about things that they had heard, and we would share with them truths that, that come from Scripture. And as we were ending, if you can go to the next picture, the lady on the far right with the red and white head covering, she began to talk to Pastor Raphael. And if you don't know a language and you're just listening to it, you hear it and you think, oh, she is really mad. Like, I can... I've been married for 27 years, and I can pick up when a woman is mad. Like, I, I'm good at that. And I thought, uh-oh, she is mad. I mean, she was just going on, and she wouldn't stop. And finally, she came to the end, and I looked at Pastor Raphael, and I said, is everything okay? He goes, yes, she is so happy. I'm like, well, she did not appear happy. <laughs> she is so happy. She said, before you came... Jesus was clouded in darkness, and she didn't understand. She just had the church that was telling her things that weren't true, things that weren't from the Bible, just to control them. And you sat, and you opened Scripture, and you shared with her the truths of the Bible, and she said, now everything seems so dark before you came, and now everything is so bright, and she understands, and she's so happy that you came and you shared with her who Jesus is. And she received Jesus as her Savior today, and she just is so excited that you came. Because a young lady, as we're walking along, says, I believe the Lord wants us to talk to that one. The Holy Spirit desperately wants to speak to you. He desperately wants to talk to you, not just in your times of need, but every single day. And I know that in churches, sometimes we get creeped out or it's weirded out because there's, there's going to be, you, the Holy Spirit like wants to talk with me and, 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 and guide me and direct me. Absolutely, 100% He does. He wants to be active in your life. If you look at, John chapter number 16. Jesus is talking to his disciples here. And you can imagine his disciples as, as they have Jesus with him and Jesus is saying, I'm going away. But Jesus, why? We want you with us. And Jesus is telling them, I have to go away because there's somebody that I have to send to you that is not just going to be with you, he's going to live inside of you and communicate with you and, and guide you. 
John chapter 16 and verse number seven says, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. You see, Jesus left us, but he promised us that the Holy Spirit, the advocate would come and he would live within us to communicate with us, to guide us and direct us every day, not just when trials and troubles come, but every day when things are going well and things are going good, and we want him to communicate with us and speak to us. In John chapter 16, verse 13, it says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. You see, the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you and and show you what is right and show you what is true. And the reason he wants to do that is because of point number three. God is not calling you to reach everyone, but he has commissioned you to reach out to someone. You see, I walked away from that time in in Africa, that that time with that group, and I said, God, I just want, want you to talk to me. I want you to be real in my life. I don't, want it, I don't want it to be only when I need you. I want you to be there in the good times and the bad times. I want you to be in there day in and day out. I want to know that you are here with me. I want to hear from you. Everywhere you go, these kids come out of these houses. Mazungo, Mazungo, Mazungo. And this little boy came up to me and he was standing in front of me, and you can see the one boy that was running away. But he, he, he saw my arm, and he lifted up my sleeve, and he saw the hair on my arm, and he just started not pulling hard, but just pulling the hair on my arm and touching my skin. And he's looking up at me, and he wants to touch my head. He's never touched white person hair. So there he goes, and the highlight of his week, touching my head. If any of you have had a bad week, just, you can... Touch my head too if you want. But he left and he went and got his friends and brought his friends back. And they left and they brought their friends back. In this next picture, these kids come out of everywhere. And this is the part that that I really struggled with. I didn't know what to do with this because as you walk down the street, literally these kids, like this is just the beginning. You'll have 40 or 50, 60 kids around you in no time and you're not doing anything. You're not giving them candy. You're not handing them any, you're not giving money. You're not, you're not doing anything for them. They just simply want to see the white person. And they come running to you and they gather around you. They want to touch you. They want to touch your hair. And my heart began to say, God, who's reaching these kids? I thought, man, if, if, I could take, if I could take Vince with me to Africa and he could do balloon animals. But then I thought, you'd have hundreds of kids. You would not be able to get through all of these kids just to give them a balloon animal. And a balloon animal will not change their life. And I asked Pastor Raphael, I said, Pastor, how are you reaching these kids? 
Because my mind goes, we have a kids' ministry, and our kids' ministry is designed to reach kids. And Pastor Raphael looks at, it, at me and he said, we're just doing the best we can with the ones we can reach. I thought, what about the thousands of kids that are here that nobody's telling them about the gospel? We went to a place where there's homeless kids. This boy is eight years of age. His parents have died. He was given to family, but his family beat him so he would leave. So at eight years of age, he runs away and he lives on the streets. What you don't see is the bottle necessarily doesn't stick out, the bottle that's between his legs. The bottle is a little more obvious in this kid's mouth, and I don't know how they get it to stay in their mouth. But these homeless children, and there are thousands of homeless children in Lusaka, those bottles are filled with glue or jet fuel, and they huff it so they can stay high because they have no food, they're cold. They have nobody that cares, and so if they can just stay high, they don't have to worry about any of it. And this is the part that I didn't know what to do with. I'm just being honest this morning. I went to Africa to see my, my daughter, and God's like, I'm going to wreck you. And I didn't know what to, I don't know what to do with this. Like, how... How do you walk away from thousands of street children that are just looking for somebody to love them and care about them? And I take a few pictures and go home. Like, what do I do with it? How, how, how does this not change you? Well, I met a young lady, her name is Cassie. Cassie is a Zambian, and she works with ladies to get them out of, out of prostitution. And she says, I'll go, and she said, I'll go to the, the areas where prostitution is really heavy, and I'll, and I'll talk to a lady, and she'll want to get out, and I'll help her to get out of it. And we'll spend a few days together, and then she'll go back. And then she'll come out, and I'll go after her again. And she said, I got four or five or six ladies that I'm working with right now, and said, they'll stay with me for a while, then they'll go back to prostitution. And I'll go after them, I'll come back, and I'm like, Cassie. I said, but what do you do with all the kids? Like, doesn't it seem hopeless? She said, Chris, she said, I just do what I can for one. Because I realize that if I, if I do what I can for one, and you do what you can for one, and then there's other people who are doing what they can for one. There's millions of people who are reaching one, and you realize that there are millions of lives that are being changed. So yes, it does look hopeless. But if we all have the one that we are going after, if our church today decided that each one of us sitting in this room right here would work on one person to get them to come to church, we wouldn't have room for all the people that are going to come.
Not because we're looking at the multitude, but because we're all looking at one. And I know God said, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. But he wants us to find one. And this morning, I just want to ask you, is there one person that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and saying, I don't want you to reach everybody. But I want you to reach that one. Just the one. Just go after the one. Is there one person in your life? In Luke chapter 15, verses 4 through 7, it says, If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. You see, heaven rejoices over the one. When I came back from Africa, I was determined to listen to the Holy Spirit and have him show me who the one is. And sometimes, I'll just be honest with you, the one that shows up is really inconvenient. Friday, my wife and I went to Sam's Club and I've been praying all day, God, show me the one that you want me to minister to. And Sam's Club had the one. He was there. He was selling something. And we walked in, and the one, Sayed is his name, he said, hey, who's your phone service through? And my wife was like, let's keep walking. But my spirit said, you want to know who the one is? He just reached out to you. So I stopped. My wife did not stop. <laughs> she had shopping to do. You know how it is. And so I talked to Syed, and he said, uh, how long you had your service? I said, two months. He goes, oh. He said, what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor. He said, will you pray for me? I said, you better believe it. He looked at the lady he was selling phones with, and he goes, he's a pastor. She goes, oh. He said, he's going to pray with us. She goes, why? Because we need prayer. Okay. So he pulls me over. He walks behind the stand. He said, what's prayer all about? And I got to sit there and talk with him for a few minutes and explain to him that there is a heavenly father who loves him, who desperately wants to communicate with him. Wants to have a relationship with him. Not because I sought him out. I was shopping. He called me out. But when you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, you know when the one shows up.
And it's usually when you're in a hurry. And God's just trying to say, are you in too much of a hurry to minister to the one that I want you to minister to today? So I went to Africa to see my daughter. And God said, while you're here, I have something for you. And I want to wreck your life. And so I came back from Africa, glad I saw my daughter, but glad I learned these truths that helped me walk every day, listening to him, rejoicing in his goodness, and looking for one that he wants me to minister to. Not the multitude, just one. So this morning, I just want to ask you, will you ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you? and show you the one he has for you today. And when that one person comes along and it's really inconvenient, will you stop and minister to that person? I don't know what it is, maybe it's a prayer. Maybe you're able to walk them through the gospel. Maybe you're just simply able to be an encouragement to them. But whoever it is, you will rejoice knowing that God, I reached the one you wanted me to reach today. And then tomorrow, you wake up, you're like, man, I can't wait to find the one. I don't know who it's going to be. But God always brings the one to you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for ministering to my heart. Lord, you are a good God. You desperately want to speak to us even when we are not desperate to hear from you. But Father, I pray that today that this church would be filled with people who desperately want to hear you, desperately want to listen to you, and will follow your leading in their lives. Lord, for us, as we go throughout the day, would you show us the one that you would have us to minister to, the one that you would have us to encourage and strengthen, the one that you would have us lead to you? Father, I pray that you would help this church to leave this place resolved to hear your voice and minister to the one that you have for them. Lord, I praise you and thank you for all that you are doing. In Jesus' precious name, amen.